Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island along the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about wildcrafting medicinal plants. Pine is our plant ally for the week, and in the kitchen, we'll make a pine raspberry shrub. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health, and I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. We're continuing our series on being in right relationship with the plants that we're working with for health and healing. And in so doing, I think wild crafting or wild foraging is an important way to connect with these plants. And I feel like it answers a deep calling. Um, It helps us to remember uh, important part of being human because from not that long ago, and even in today's current world, but also since the beginning of humanity, we have been harvesting and working with wild plants that grow around us. So just real briefly, just to start to bridge this topic, and there's lots more to get into here, but just to start us thinking, I things to think about when we are beginning to wild harvest. I think one thing that's really important is that we choose one plant ally to start with to really get to know that plant and to understand um, the best way, the most ethical way and ecological way to harvest that plant so that it can maintain its own populations and it can be both helpful for us and still remain helpful and healthy for the ecosystem that it is a part of. So number one of importance is get to know one plant at a time and the best way to harvest it. Now, not only do you want to know that plant, but you wanna know about the location that it's growing in if it's a plant that you, the specific plant that you're gonna harvest, you wanna know about the specific location it's growing in and make sure that it's a place that um, you are both allowed to harvest and that it is healthful to harvest. It's not a super fun site or anything like that. Um, It hasn't been treated with pesticides in the recent time, I think for farms to be considered organic they have to have three years without any pesticide application so you can use that as a guide you want to know the population of the plant so you want to know is that population a healthy population is it increasing is it decreasing over time you might even want to wait and just observe your plant 
for a whole year um, through the seasons or even two years to see season to season, really get to know that plant and that population of plants before you start harvesting it. You also want to know the part of the plant that you want to harvest. So is it the root or the seed or the flower or the leaves that are the part that you want to harvest? And at what time of year is the best time to harvest that plant part? And then also at what time in the plant's life cycle is it best to harvest that? So is your plant a perennial? Does it live for multiple years? Is it a biennial? Does it just live for two years? Or is it an annual that only lives for one year? And depending on that, that's going to determine the best way to harvest your plant. Then you also want to know uh, poisonous lookalikes of your plant, if there are any. And in general, it's good to figure out what poisonous plants grow in your immediate environment to really get to know those plants so you know how to avoid them um, is just as important as getting to know the medicinal plants so how and how you can find them. So in general, I think it's best to start when you start wanting to work with wild plants that you work with the abundant weeds that grow all around us. These are the plants like dandelion, plantain, um, burdock, yellow dock, you know, the list goes on. There's, there are so many plants that are considered common weeds, plants that people tend to love to hate, that are gardener's nemesis. These plants often are very medicinal and very healthful for humans. They are easy to find. They grow in abundance. Many people would be happy to have you come to their garden or their farm to help them quote unquote weed and you can then harvest their weeds and take them home and make herbal remedies with them. Or instead of weeding out your garden, you can harvest the weeds in your garden and make wonderful remedies for them. So a great place to start is discovering what weeds grow either in your garden or in your lawn or in your general vicinity that are medicinal and healthful and that you can get to know. That's the great place to start. I would avoid harvesting plants from fragile ecosystems. I would stay out of wetlands. I would stay away from the woodlands. The forest plants tend to be very slow growing. They're often ephemerals. They um, have more delicate populations. So you can leave those areas and stick with the common garden weeds. Right now it's uh, February on the coast of Maine. We still have snow and ice, but the trees are beginning to wake up and their buds are getting bigger. But right now, if you are living in an environment like our environment here, there is still some fun wild foraging that you can do. And that is with the evergreen trees. And so I'd like to talk a bit about one of my favorite evergreen trees to work with, and that is the Eastern White Pine Tree. And as that's the pine that I am familiar with being um, an East Coast girl. 
but if there are lots of different pine trees and I believe that they can most often be used interchangeably. So if you live where there are other pine trees growing, you can get to know those pine trees. Again, it's important to know that I'm talking about like the specific pinus or penis genus, which is P-I-N-U-S because there are lots of evergreen trees and I find sometimes people will just generalize and say all evergreen trees are pine trees and they aren't. There's spruce and fir and cedar and juniper and hemlock, um, which are all can be used medicinally. There is one evergreen shrub, the yew shrub, which is spelled Y-E-W. And that is uh, poisonous. So you want to be able to identify use and stay away from them. Ironically, they tend to be really common landscape plants and are planted around houses. They kind of make your standard square pruned shrub hedge that border, you know, foundation plantings around houses or um, and I think deer might be the only animals that can eat them safely, then that they might be um, immune to the chemical that otherwise can cause death and can stop hearts in most other animals. So stay away from the use and the pine trees um, generally have long needles to them and the white pine the needles are in clumps of five and then they join at the base together all five needles are in like one group and then they attach to the twigs as a group of five and they have a white line that goes down the middle of the long needle now use also have a white line that goes down the middle of their um needles but their needles are flat and are short whereas the pine needles are long and round roundish i would say um so pine trees are in anti-infective and it's due to their volatile oils which also tend which give the tree that really nice scent that piney scent and these volatile oils or aromatic oils also are antispasmodic. Generally, they um, are astringent, so they can tighten mucous membranes. And that's also um, the tannins in these evergreen trees and in the pine tree is really what's the astringent um, constituent. And they are decongestant, so those volatile oils can penetrate congestion and hard and mucus that is not flowing well and can break it up and help us to uh, cough it up and eliminate it. So for digestive health, the pine can be really helpful in that with its antispasmodic property, it can help ease intestinal cramping. It's a nice complement to a digestive bitter formula because it has a, a bit of bitter in it, especially if you use some of the twigs, the barky twigs, as well as the needles. Um, 
And it also can be warming in nature, which can help kind of ease gas and cramping. And it also has a bit of sour and, like I said, a little bit of bitter flavor to it. So it can be a digestive bitter unto itself, or it can be a fun addition to a bitters formula. Maybe you would have some dandelion root and some orange peel and some pine needles could be a fun um, complement to each other. So for immune health, the pine is going to offer broad spectrum anti-infective properties that can both be effective against bacterial or viral infections. Um, It's going to have an affinity for the lungs and fighting infections um, that maybe have taken root in either the sinuses or the lungs. Um, Also has an affinity for the urinary tract and the kidneys it tends to be diuretic so can help um, have more water flowing more urine flowing through and out of the system and can help to fight infections as it is eliminated through so the thing is with these volatile oils like our body doesn't break them down they stay intact and our body has to eliminate them either through our lungs or through our liver kidneys and so as these volatile oils are eliminated through the kidneys and the urinary system they can actually also fight any infection as they are eliminated that they come in contact with the And so as I was talking about the lungs, so they can also both fight infections in the lungs with their volatile oils. They can also relax um, really tight and constricted lungs and make breathing easier. They can break up uh, congestion that's just kind of, you have a cough, you feel like there's congestion in there, but it's not loose enough to actually come up and out. So it'll just really easily break that up so that you can cough it up. And then once you're done coughing, your cough will be eliminated. Um, But also if you're having this like spasmodic dry cough where maybe there isn't any mucus, but you're just kind of have this like spasming cough that you can't stop, it can also with its anti-spasmodic properties kind of calm and soothe that as well. Topically, also very anti-infective, and the uh, the pitch from the pine, the pine pitch, is basically the pine tree's own immune system. Um, so if a pine has an injury and gets wounded, then it produces, it brings this pitch to the wound, which has these volatile oils in it, which is why it smells so good. Um, And these oils are going to fight any infection and keep any infection from penetrating the wound and getting into the tree. And then it also has the ability to form the scab. And so these resins can also be harvested and used. The pine pitch can be harvested, but when you harvest it, you don't want to harvest so much that you reopen the wound of the tree. You just want to harvest the excess pitch that might be have bubbled out and has hardened. And you can bring that home and you can um, make a salve with it that can um, help to fight infections on our own skin and help to heal wounds. 
So as I was saying, these aromatic oils, these volatile oils have to be eliminated, you know, processed and eliminated by the liver and the kidneys. And so if we were to take pine in very large amounts over a long time, it might be a little too harsh on our liver and kidneys. So we, this is an herb that you can use in small amounts in tea for fun. Um, but if you're going to be using it at therapeutic doses, you just want to use it as needed. Okay. And then take a break from it because you don't want to strain your system. Evergreens in general, but pine especially is known to be a very good source of vitamin C. And so even if you're just walking around in the winter woods and you want to nibble on some pine needles, um, to kind of access some of that vitamin C, you can do that. Or maybe even putting some fresh pine needles in vinegar um, to help those extract would be beneficial. So when I like to harvest pine, it's really easy, like after a windstorm, and this can happen any time of year, but a big storm, you can go out and under the pine tree, there often be a, a pine bough that has been broken from the tree and come down, which you could then harvest off of. And that's totally sustainable to do um, because it's already been removed from the tree. And especially if the tree is really tall, it might be hard to access some of the needles. Although a lot of times pine, pine trees have low um, branches that kind of branch out and low to the ground and are relatively easy to get. But a windstorm will often take down a branch and if not a branch, then lots of fresh needles and clumps of needles and twigs will be under the pine tree that you can source. Or you can go to a smaller pine tree and just harvest the tips of the, like the the very ends of the branches, the very last clump of needles at the end of the branch, you can harvest those. And when you harvest them, you want to cut it so that I like to harvest also a little bit of the woody stem um, and you cut it right before it branches again, like right at a node where then two more twigs will branch out from and produce and have more needles because that will heal faster at that location and then also um, promote more branching. So essentially you're just giving the tree a nice little pruning which will um, stimulate it to grow more. Um, so that's very ecologically sound way to harvest the pine as well. And you can do it all year round. Uh, you don't want to do it when the tree's looking brown or anything, or if it looks unhealthy, but at any point in the year, you can harvest pine. In the early summer, there's going to be a lot of new growth um, and new fresh needles, and those can be fun to work with. They're more tender, and they probably have a little bit more volatile oil in them, especially on a nice hot summer day, because again, those volatile oils or aromatic oils are protecting the new growth from pests and insects and and animals that will want to be eating them. So there's lots of different remedies once you've harvested your pine needles that you can make. You can make a tea. And again, this is great for easing coughs, colds, flus, congestion, or just uh, digestion, or just as an enjoyable tasting tea. And you can... Um, Basically, grab a handful of pine needles, chop them up with a little bit of the woody twigs, 
and put, um, you know, about one to two tablespoons per cup of water or more. You can adjust it as you see fit for the flavor that you like. And you can do it two ways. You can either just let it steep in hot water or you can even simmer it for, for like 10 to 20 minutes and that will, you know, act, get more of the resiny tannins and whatnot out of the, out of the plant material. If you want to even make a stronger beverage where you decoct it, you know, so that it's a really strong tea, and then you can add some honey to it and make a syrup. That's another option. And then also you can make a steam with your water-based. So you can take that pot of pine and water that has been simmering and bring it over to a table, put it on a trivet and breathe deeply with a towel over your head and make a really nice steam. So there's, you can make a tincture, you can do infused vinegar. I mean, the list goes on and on of all the fun remedies that you can play around with and explore in working with your pine. Um, a remedy that I just recently made, or kind of like a fun treat, more like it than a remedy, is I made a raspberry pine shrub. And so shrubs are basically a sweetener with vinegar and fruit. And so I like to use honey as my sweetener. I like to use apple cider vinegar as my vinegar. And in this case, I used pine because I always like to put herbs in everything and then uh, frozen raspberries. So the very first thing I do before I make um, anything, any herbal remedy with vinegar is I prefer to pasteurize the vinegar um, to kill the mother and the living microbes in the vinegar, just so I don't have to worry about any potential interactions with the microbes that might be on the fresh plant material. Um, it just improves the shelf life. And if I want to ingest vinegar for the healthy microbes, then I'll do that on its own. Um, but when I'm putting herbs with the vinegar, I think it's best just to pasteurize it. So to do that, I put it in a either a Pyrex or a ceramic lined pot and bring it up to a boil and then immediately take it off of the heat and let it come back to room temperature and then it's ready for use. And so I have my vinegar, I have my honey, and then I have a jar that is about the size or a little bit bigger of the amount of shrub that I want to make. And I have my frozen fruit, and I just find that frozen fruit um, absorbs and releases its nutrients and its flavor and everything much better because the cell walls have been broken in the freezing process. So we have um, our fruit, and so I like to put the frozen fruit in the bottom of the jar, maybe about a third full of frozen fruit and I even kind of muddle it in there and kind of mash it around just so it really can release and then I'll put maybe two-thirds almost two-thirds of the jar with my pine needles and then I will pour in two-thirds of the jar worth of vinegar 
So it's two thirds vinegar and then one third honey. And I put the honey up on top of the vinegar because it just melds much better that way where if you put the honey in first it's just kind of a sticky mess and then the vinegar kind of acts almost as like a block so the vinegar it's hard for the vinegar to penetrate through the honey in time as it all sits and steeps it's all going to meld together and become this one beautiful thing even if you have solid honey that you're putting in on top if it's older honey or raw honey and so it's hardened versus a liquid honey. So basically, you know, you want to chop your pine needles up so that you can get more pine needles in the jar and fill your jar up so you have your layer of raspberries and your layer of pine needles and then you pour the vinegar over it and then you top it all off with honey and Give it some pokes and some stirs with a chopstick and then put a lid on it and the lid should not be metal if you have a food safe plastic lid or if you do have a metal lid then you want to put um, like a wax paper or parchment paper in between it because the vinegar will erode the metal lid. And that's not good because it'll rust and then you'll have rusted metal in your beautiful remedy, which is never a good thing. So I hope you have fun going out and finding a pine tree that you can connect with, relate to, harvest a bit from, and bring it home and play with it. Decide what remedy you want to make and have some fun with it. If you want to know more about evergreen medicine, um, check out my Patreon site, uh, Solidago Herb School Patreon. And this is the first month that it's that I've had a Patreon page. And this month's focus was five winter evergreen trees to work with: pine, fir, spruce, juniper, and cedar. And depending on your tier, the first tier, you get a PDF and an audio class. And in the second tier, you get that as well as some uh, multiple short video demonstration classes of herbal medicine making and harvesting videos. So check that out if you're interested. Also on my Patreon you can access show notes. So I basically, the notes that I follow as I do these podcasts, I don't edit them or anything. I just cut and paste them on to a page on the Patreon, and that is available to all the public, whether you're a patron or not, and also a link to the podcast episodes. So if you want to check that out, please do. And uh, next month on Patreon, I think I'm going to be focusing on usnea, the lichen, and some other herbs that could be helpful to work alongside it. And uh, you can also find me on the old Instagram and Facebook and my website, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. And until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.